0: The one that's, I think, the, the bane of every English learner's existence, at least when it comes to learning American English, the difference between can and can't, but also some other common ones like sheep and ship. We have a handful of these that we've found our students struggle with a lot. So I did want to touch on, though, why is this such a pain for English learners? English is a non-phonetic language, which means that it's not pronounced how it's spelled. Most languages, at least most of the ones I've learned, they are phonetic languages. So, if you're coming from a phonetic language, you're used to being able to rely on your eyes. But the important thing that you grasp, if you take nothing else away from this lesson, is that English is a non phonetic language and you cannot trust your eyes. Our brains trick us to make us think that we heard a sound that wasn't actually the correct sound. The I and E that I find most learners, because they don't have that I sound, they end up slowing down and freezing anytime they have to say i'm going to the this weekend i'm going to the 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 beach the bitch i don't know which one it is right <laughs> or you get them saying it like a question i'm going to the beach
1: with that tone of <laughs> uncertainty i'm not sure what exactly. what i'm saying i hope it's correct
0: so let's jump into one of the trickiest ones it says can and can't why is this the bane of most english learners existence why is this a living nightmare
1: i think this is a particularly tricky one especially in american english i think in british english it's easier to uh, tell the difference because in american english we have can the affirmative and can't in the negative in british english it's a little bit uh, different because i think they say con i can't do it so you hear the vowel there that changes so it's easier to tell but Sometimes in American English, it's hard to tell the difference between "I can do it" and "I can't do it." In fact, in British
0: English, you have to be careful not to confuse "can't" the negative with a bad word. I won't say that here, but if people are learning British English, you might want to <laughs> look that up. I believe I've seen some videos on that. But that "can't" has this glottal T, which is the uh, 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 getting cut off at the back of your throat. What I used to do with my students to practice the sound is. A phrase that little kids will say if they make a mistake, if they drop a plate of food on the floor, for example, they go, "Uh uh-oh, uh-oh, and it's this sound that's in between the two, Uh uh-oh, so if you can do that, then you have the glottal T and you just need to apply that to other things like hat, well, I'm I'm saying that with a true T, hat, cat, wouldn't, can't, shouldn't, so on, and... With can, it's a function word in most cases. So usually we reduce it to a schwa, right? So it becomes kun or kin. Mm-hmm. So I can do it. I can't do it. And mm-hmm. there, it sounds a little bit. If you can, at least if you can hear that schwa sound, it's a little bit easier to tell the difference between the two, right? I can do it. I can't do it.
1: Mm, interesting. So in the middle of a phrase, I would reduce the can affirmative to kun. kun. Mm-hmm. So
0: I exactly. Can,
1: I can do it. I can do it versus i can't do it yeah that is a tricky one for sure but i believe that when it comes to can affirmative if you end with can then you can elongate as usual for example can you do it yes i can yes i can this can reduction happens if you have more things to say after a verb and a complement i can do it yes i can
0: thing is cuz the grammatical use of can, when you're saying I can do it, it's a auxiliary. Can you do it? Yes, I can. Then it's the main verb. I can. Right. Uh So then it becomes a content word. So the, I'm just thinking out loud here, the auxiliary verb would get reduced. We usually reduce auxiliary verbs, but when it's the main verb in the sentence, then we fully articulate it. All right, so how about we talk about one that's really complicated for most Brazilians, especially. <laughs> I'm curious to hear how you've helped your students with this one. Word and
1: world. Oh, that one. So tricky. It is a tricky one because we have the R, the ER, with mm-hmm. the L, which I believe is a dark L, we call it. Right. Isn't it? Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh, right? Like, oh, oh. Mm-hmm.
0: We have, I guess, several of these sounds in American English. The- Dark L is also pronounced here. The, the glottal T is pronounced here. So it's like, eh, oh. So you have to start playing around with the back of your throat and, and see if you can gain some, some mastery over those muscles of articulation in that area of your instrument, as we, your vocal <laughs> instrument, as we would call it.
1: The way I explain this difference to my students is usually by breaking it down as much as I can. So I start with the, the word, word which is, let's say, the the beginning there. So, let's just focus on the R. So, were, were, and then the D, word, word. Now, if you want to talk about the the planet, then there is the L there. So, you start with the R again. Were, were, you go into the R, er, and then you have to make the L sound, the O. So, were, O. And then the D. But you see how meticulous, how how much you have to break it down. So, world, world. And then if you bring them together, you come to a point where you're going world, world. But I like to break it down because I think it comes from music as well. When you learn guitar, usually you start learning the scales very slowly. Very slowly. And then you speed up. With practice, same principle here. I would say you break down the sound of the word, and then you uh, increase the speed as you become more comfortable. So
0: I like how deliberate you have to be there to really get down the minutia of these words. So it's not just so much just practicing saying word and world, but practicing down to each letter or each bite of that word. Right.
1: That was a jaw dropping word. You just use there. Jaw dropping. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, you know, so impressive. Uh, was it minutia? Minutia, the tiny details. I love
0: that. <laughs> you have to be nitpicky. That's another nice word that we can mm. use. You have to be meticulous about the details.
1: There's also the question how willing are you to go through all this work to improve your pronunciation? Because mm. it is work don't think it's easy or it's going to happen overnight.
0: Also, this question of, do I need to sound like a native? For most people, it's not a good goal because it requires a lot of thorough, tough <laughs> effort. We were using those at the beginning, right? <laughs> and most learners, they can't prioritize the time to really dedicate to that or they don't want to. They're not mm-hmm. willing to, as you said. So that's a question you should ask yourself. You want to sound like a native? That's great. But Are you really willing to go through all the effort? Are you willing to make that a Uh priority in your life? And maybe the question is no, and that's that's fine. You don't need to sound like a native. You need to be comprehensible. People need to be able to understand you. And all this stuff we're talking about today, you don't need to pronounce these things perfectly, but you do need to be able to understand them. So it's really Uh worthwhile to practice these different minimal pairs that we are looking at, listening to them over and over and over again until you're really able to identify You're really able to hear each one of these sounds that's unique to English so that you don't confuse when you hear word and world, you know, very clearly which word that person said. Great Thiago. So we were talking about deliberate practice, which is when you're sitting down and you're drilling these different sounds. That's a really important part of the practice to get down the comprehension, get down the accuracy in your speaking. But the other part is also the fluency. We we did another podcast all about this, didn't we? About accuracy and fluency. So that accuracy is really important to practice at home, but then you also need to go out into the world and practice your fluency. So something really cool that I could challenge you guys to do. Maybe you don't have your own private teacher or something, so we can play that role here by giving you some homework. Choose one of these sounds that's particularly a pain in your neck and try to start. Doing some deliberate practice with it. May spend a, a day that that's your focus to do the deliberate practice with that one. So let's say that it's that dark L sound. So you're going to do word and world. You're going to really try to get down, being able to hear the difference and produce the difference between these two words. And then let's do the fluency practice of it. So go onto the Real Life English app. You can have a four to eight minute conversation with someone and challenge yourself to find an excuse to use these words in your conversation and obviously you don't want to be too in your head about am I getting exactly the right pronunciation here and so on but in those those two moments that you're trying to use those words make sure that you're getting the correct pronunciation down a really great uh, part of this is it's like dancing right you can't you can practice dancing at home by yourself but ultimately it takes two conversation is the same thing so you want to be able to make sure that people are understanding you all right, and that said, we wanted to honor one of our listeners and
1: app users. We have our shout out of the day. All right, this one goes to M. Youssef. and M. Youssef says, I can't believe that I have made a video call with an unknown person. If you think you can speak, but you don't really go for it, I recommend you try this app and let it guide you. Thanks to the developers and all the organization."
0: Oh, uh, yeah. Thanks so much, Youssef, for taking the time to leave us a five-star review in your app store. And you, dear listener, dear viewer, if you want us to shout you out, it's really simple. Give the app a try. Go practice your speaking. Go out there and actually put into practice all of the hard work that you're doing. Just like Youssef said, you know, take the leap. Actually, put yourself out there. And if you enjoy the experience, you can leave us a five-star review, and we might just shout you out as well.
1: Ethan, quickly. What does it mean to take the leap? Take the leap means to
0: do something that you can't think you can do that's going to be difficult, but you're going to try anyway. So it's stretching outside of your comfort zone. We could also say take the plunge, like when you jump into a cold body of water. All right, so a free way that you can support us if you are enjoying these lessons is by leaving us a five-star review in your favorite podcast app. So that could be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else that has the capability for this. That's really great for us because it helps other people to discover and have a lot of fun and hopefully more effective ways that they can harness this podcast to improve their English. And if you're on YouTube, you can subscribe, hit the bell down below and also give this video a like, because again, it helps us to reach more people. It helps YouTube know that you like these lessons and you want more of them. And remember that no matter what divides us, that which unites us is far greater. So we look forward to seeing you in the next lesson.
1: One, two, three. Oh yeah! Oh yeah. yeah, global citizens! I just want to tell you, in case you don't know, that this lesson was taken from the Real Life English podcast. However, it was just a clip from the full episode. If you want to access the full lesson and learn even more with us, make sure you download the Real Life app. See you there!